Amen. Thank you again, Chris, for leading us. If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5. That is where we will be uh, for most of our time. But I want to start and end the message with a couple questions. Uh, first off, uh, and I'll answer these two up here. Uh, anybody ever been uh, hurt by somebody? Anybody ever been hurt? You don't have to read it. I've been hurt by somebody. Anybody here uh, angry at someone or ever been angry at someone? Okay, a few more hands. Uh, this is the most interesting question, and we'll deal with it in Scripture. Does, uh, does anybody here have enemies? Oh, enemies? Anybody here have enemies? We'll talk about that. Um, you can put the Scripture down for just a, a moment. Thank you, though, bro. So uh, I ask those questions because they do pertain to the passage we're going to read. But, uh, you know, for me, just a few brief stories. Uh, Someone uh, hurt me recently, like in the last six months, uh, or hurt someone that I I care about and I love. And it wasn't wasn't intentional or it wasn't directed towards me, but I was hurt by it. And I was in Broad Street a couple of, uh, about two, three weeks ago, and I saw these people and j- just couldn't go up and exchange pleasantries. Just couldn't do it. Just couldn't, couldn't fake it, I told my wife later. It's like, why didn't you just go up and say that? I couldn't fake it. Okay. Now, I've been angry uh, at people as well. Um, actually, I was angry at someone last Sunday afternoon. Uh, it's not... Not any of y'all, and it's nobody I know personally. It's actually with somebody in the news who will remain nameless. And so I, a lot of times, I don't know, if, you know, I, I need to relax on Sunday afternoons and sit and watch the news. But so I'm watching the news, and somebody said something, and I turned to my wife, and I was like, that's not right. But I actually didn't say that. I said, was not that diplomatic. And uh, she said, well, would you... Would you love them? Would you pray for them? And, and it caught me because I was having uh, problems doing just that. And I was angry. And then last, enemies. Do we have enemies? Uh, Jesus kind of redefines enemies in the scripture. But often when you take a stand uh, in leadership, uh, you will attract followers and there will be others who be opposed to you. Uh, a a Brief example, it's kind of fun. I have a cousin who played football for Ole Miss, okay? And uh, I, uh, one time, somebody sent me something and said, you know, your cousin, actually a member of this congregation sent me this, your cousin is one of the top ten uh, most hated players, football players in Ole Miss history. And I said, I'm so proud. And uh, <laughs> because he had a, a penchant to uh, talk a little trash. And, uh, and I think he got into a few fights, but I'm really proud of him. Really am. But uh, so you can have people, you know, when you, take, when you take stands, seriously, there will be people who just don't love you. I mean, for real, don't love you. We're in this series through the summer that we call Follow. It's about following Jesus. Following Jesus is hard. And we're going through the Ten Commandments. Each Sunday we're taking a commandment. And today it is uh, Exodus 20:13, which is do not murder. Do not murder. Now, we're in Matthew 5 because in Matthew 5, Jesus redefines 
and restores uh, this commandment to its proper context. And I was thinking about this message, and uh, I don't put a lot in titles of message, but for this one I, I did. I want to title it Life Interrupted. Life Interrupted. Because here's the deal. When we lash out in anger to a person, we're, we're interrupting their life. We're throwing a hurdle. That's going to be hard for them to cross. And then when we hold on to anger, we're interrupting our life. We're interrupting the life that God wants us to walk into. And, and often so many of us, do. I've done it, lashed out, held anger, and it's interrupting the life that the Lord wants. Now, a wonderful example of the opposite, um, many of us saw it, was the example of the family members, the church in Charleston, and how they forgave uh, someone they were very angry with. In their statement, if you read it, it said, we are angry, but uh, we, we forgive. We forgive. Uh, that's, not a, that's not a human deal. Uh, our humanity doesn't make that possible. That's spirit-led. Holy Spirit. That's a supernatural gift that all of us can have in the power of the Spirit to forgive our enemies, to love our enemies, as Jesus says. You see, God, uh, if you read Scripture, God's very clear. God hates hate. God hates for His people to carry hate. God, God hates hate. And often, we do so, let me say this, and it's selfish of us. There's a great, great quote by G.K. Chesterton, and he said, I pray that God would purge all anger and a desire to judge others from my soul and instead let me deal with my own sin. That spoke to me a lot this week as I was going through it. Let me say it again. He said, may God purge every ounce of anger and the desire to judge others from my soul and instead let me deal with my own sin. Now, now, righteous anger is real. I mean, it's, Paul says it, be angry and do not sin. Right? But often it is small, and the anger that's like an acorn that grows into a tree is something that we want to hold on to. You're like, how do I want to hold on to anger? It, it, there's a selfish deal where it's like, you know, it's not about us, it's about them. We hold on to it, and it, it's destructive. Destructive to our lives, to our relationships. And Jesus offers us a choice. Follow me. Here is life. Or don't. Or say, I can't. And all too often, we say, I can't, I can't do that. I can't. It's too hard. And we miss out on life. And instead, we, we live, and many of us may be living right now, a life that is being constantly interrupted because of anger, because of hate, because of unforgiveness, and the Holy Spirit can, as we sang about, heal, release you, that you can walk in the fullness of life, a life inspired by Christ, a life invigorated by the Holy Spirit, a life interwoven, as we saw, Amy, into a family of the church, a life in love with Jesus Christ. So let's see it in Scripture. Matthew 5, uh, we are going to begin with, uh, with verse 21. And Jesus here... It's hard. Again, following Jesus is hard, and he says some challenging, hard stuff. 
Uh, He's essentially saying we can be murderers. We can. How is that? Well, one, when we hold contempt for others. When we hold contempt for other people. Look at it. Verse 21 and 22. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Uh, Tough words. Um, Sermon on the Mount, most famous sermon ever. That's what this is part of. And uh, it, it is challenging, yet it is life. It is life that the Lord wants us to live. Now, I say we, we can be murderers when we hold contempt for others. And what Jesus says here, look at the, uh, the Scripture. It moves from anger to insult to fool. You can be angry, then you insult, then you just call that person a fool. The, the literal Greek word for fool here. Is, uh, is pronounced, it's called raka. Raka. And uh, it, it literally means that that person is not even worthy of, of your thoughts. It's just, it's just not worthy at all. And Jesus is saying here, when, when we think like that, we, so me too, when we think like that, when we hold those feelings in our heart, it is, it is contempt and it's hellish. And it's not the way that he wants us to live or should live. Also, how can we be murderers when we have unreconciled relationships? Anybody deal with those? Unreconciled relationships? That's what Jesus moves into in verse 23 and 24. Look what he says. He moves from our feeling to our relationships here. He says, verse 23, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Jesus is saying to us, to the church, he wants reconciliation, he wants reconciled relationships. And if the Lord puts that thought in our mind, what are we to do? It's very clear. Go, go to them. Now, now, often, I don't know about you, but for me, if we think about a, a broken relationship or there's an unreconciled relationship or, you know, somebody's got a problem with us, initially, we all, I do this, we think horizontally. Here's what I mean by that. We think, well, how will uh, my life and, and his or her life, how can we put it back together? How can things be made okay? How will our relationship affect other relationships? When we think across the course of relationships, horizontally. Instead, we need to think vertically first. As in like our relationship to God. Really, you need to do this. Don't start off with a horizontal thing. Think vertically. Here's what I mean. You're here in worship. You have an unreconciled relationship. You have a broken relationship. Someone has an issue. Give that person to the Lord. Or even better, first, say, say, Lord, what are you telling me to do with that person? Speak to me, Lord. And God, God always brings conviction, not guilt. 
Is that clear? God, when you, when you talk to him, when you pray, he will bring conviction in your heart, not guilt. And then think about that person. Give that person to the Lord. And, and then often God's going to say, go to them. It's a hard deal. God will say, go to that person. Look at another verse, Romans 12, 18. Romans 12, 18. And we don't have time to read this whole passage, but it's in the midst of some good stuff. But verse 18, it says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Uh, Love this verse, challenged by this verse, but it's great because it says, So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So what that tells us, you tie that to the Matthew 5 passage, when the Lord says, go, and then Romans 12, live peacefully with all as far as it depends on you, you go, but the total responsibility is not on you. You can go and you can speak, you can ask for forgiveness, you can say, I forgive you, Uh, you can say, hey, I want this to be healed, I want to be reconciled, but that other person has a choice too. Uh, Now, we would not want that other person to live in or with offense or with hate, God forbid, or with anger. But that's their deal. That's their vertical relationship with God. For us, as much as it depends on you, on us, think vertically, God, what are you telling me to do with this person, with this deal, with this relationship? God will speak to you. God leads to conviction, not guilt. God will lead you to go to the person. And then you've done your part. You've done your part. And we hope and pray the Holy Spirit works and heals and restores. But you've done your part. Now, how to... Uh, let me ask this question. Talk about being a murderer. How would you, how would you stop... How would you stop being a murderer? Look at this verse. And we'll skip over to Matthew 5, 44. Look at this. Jesus says again, continuing on, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And actually, I'm going to read the entire context of this verse. Start with verse 38. I want you to focus on 44. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs for you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You've heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Jesus says that again and again, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This passage shows why it's so hard to follow Jesus. Amen? This is hard stuff. But Jesus calls us to it. So, to love our enemies, think about this. First, we got to 
identify your enemy. ID your enemy. Now, some folks, I would say, are, are enemy-like. Like, if you are just in a, a state of, hopefully not, but turmoil or anger, God forbid, but with your spouse, uh, or with a child, or with a friend. And there are these seasons where it's like enemy-like. And then, there are real enemies. There are those who just don't love you. Maybe something you've done, something that's happened. You got that person in mind? Now love them right now. Love them fully. You may say in your mind, I can't love them fully. Love them. And pray for them. And, you know, I used to do this, you know, people... You know, something would go down. I'd pray for them and say, you know, God, you know, heal their heart because they're definitely wrong. And, you know, you just do your work on them. You know, I'd throw that prayer out all the time. Instead, pray that life goes well for them. You're like, can't do that. Trust me, it works. It works. It brings healing in your life. And, I mean, there is a supernatural deal, a supernatural power that is the Holy Spirit and, and, you know, maybe if things like went well, their heart might melt towards the relationship and they might not have bitterness or anger and the Lord would use your prayers supernaturally to build a bridge for reconciliation and new life. I know, shocker, it's a biblical worldview, it's scripture, it's what we believe. It's possible. Love them fully. Pray for them. For real, pray for him. Pray that things go well for him in life. Now, I want to speak real quick culturally because, uh, you know, what, what is going down in the life of the church, capital C Church, uh, people are, are looking at us as, as bad guys uh, often. I mean, maybe not here, but, uh, you know, if you, if you watch the news, uh, if uh, we hold the truths of Scripture believe Scripture is totally true, which we do, then um, you know, th- things aren't really going well for us, culturally. Um, and it'll probably get worse, in, in my opinion. And so we may be labeled the bad guys. We may be slapped on the cheek, as Jesus says. That is a metaphor, by the way, of an insult. And we got to have the, the stamina, supernaturally, uh, and, and the courage and the foundation that we can withstand insults, and walk humbly and kindly and truthfully in the power of Christ. So, again, it, uh, it's not going well. It may not, go, may not continue to go well. Now, I, uh, I wanted to read something to you, and I actually couldn't pull it up on, online. I don't know, maybe the storm power. But there was a, uh, there was a statement uh, from two people. I mentioned Sam Alberry. He's got, we've got a book out there. But uh, two people, one gentleman by the name of Christopher Wan, the Chinese-American, and Rosario Butterfield uh, wrote a statement. Both of them, um, Christopher Wan would say that uh, he would be, he would call himself uh, gay, but he is celibate, and he is a born-again believer, Christian, uh, who now uh, speaks uh, across the world, teaches at uh, Moody Bible College. I really want to get him here to speak. We'll see what we can do. Rosario Butterfield, uh, some of you I know have heard her testimony she used to teach, get this, 
uh, queer theory uh, at Syracuse and was, you know, lesbian, whole deal. She said, I was, you know, I led the march when the Promise Keepers came to town. You know, she's very uh, against all of this. Born again, now she's a preacher's wife um, at a church uh, in North Carolina, has kids, and she speaks uh, nationwide all over the world as well. You know, they put out a statement this week talking about the decision and, and, you know, the culture we're in and how the church, Jesus' church, should live. And they made a great point about how now there's so many more millennials, if you know that word, that are pro-life after the Roe v. Wade decision. And they said a lot of that happened because they saw uh, many Christians uh, loving and caring for uh, single moms, uh, moms who had gone through uh, abortions, people dealing with abortions, people who were facing that choice. And they saw Christians in the church love on them so much that they said, we, we are pro-life, pro the life of the mom, pro the life of the child. And he said, that's, that's so interesting. After this cultural change, Roe v. Wade, that now you have more young folks who are pro-life. And they said, you know, this is an opportunity for the church right now. Like, will in decades to come, people look back and say, wow, the church really began to love on their LGBT neighbors and folks, and that we can do this to love on people. And say, we are pro-life, we're for life, we're for life in Christ, and to show what he offers in humility, in kindness, in love, in, in life, and not a life interrupted. And I just thought, it, it's on, online, it's on Facebook. They wrote a great statement, like, you know, we, we have this decision that we can make now and what we're going to do, and we can love on folks. We can love on everybody. And then for us, the church, I told you all last week, we signed a, a statement. The elders met last, uh, last week, and we signed a, uh, it's a statement, pastors, churches all over the world, it was organized by a guy named Russell Moore, who is head of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Committee uh, of the Southern Baptist Convention, but this is a non-denominational deal. And uh, I told you all last week, if you're here, if you're not, um, one reason we signed this statement, it was so good, in my opinion, so clear, one, that you know, we dissent the opinion of the Supreme Court. However, there were six great points that said, I want to pray for our government and government leaders. We want to teach intentionally, regularly, biblical worldview of marriage and sexuality to a broken world. All individuals are created in the image of God. All. Every human being created in the image of God. As Christians, we are called to love our neighbor. And if we disagree, we are called to do so civilly and respectfully. And we are to pray and work for culture, a country of religious liberty. So as a church, we sign that statement. And, you know, we're walking together, working together to say, you know, we live in grace and truth to love all, to invite all to Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Now, personally, I want to close with this. Personally, some of y'all are affected by broken relationships, unreconciled relationships, you know, not speaking for, for years. What do we do practically? 
What do we do? Well, there are three wrongs and one right. And I've done all three wrongs, so let me just say that. But I'm always trying now, praying to do the one right. The first wrong is to say, and I've said that, many of us have said that, is just to cut the person off, say, I'm done, done with you. Cut them off. Second wrong would be to essentially not really engage the offense that they've, they've done. So you kind of stay in the shallow end. I'm not, I'm not going to engage it, and I'm just going to hold a grudge. And I'll just be here and just, just hold a grudge and just carry it with me. And the third wrong is to attack or slander. A great example of this would be like, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for them, jerk, you know. I mean, see, you know, I mean, you can slander in your mind and lash out. There's are three wrong ways, three unbiblical ways. The right way, you can go through the scripture again later this week, today, is the way of Jesus. Re-engage the relationship and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust the outcome because you're sovereign, you're Lord. So, close with some questions. Who is your enemy? Who is your enemy? What would it look like for you to be kind to them? Some of y'all dealing with stuff right now, I know as pastor. What would it look like, someone who's hurt you, to be really kind to them? What would it look like, the words of Jesus, to go the extra mile, go two miles instead of one? What does that look like? It is hard. It is life, though. It is Jesus. We were talking in our B group about how Jesus Christ offers the greatest example of human relationship and human action in all of history, in all of human history. Yet he is so much more than just an example. It is about a heart change that is possible, that is possible today, that is possible in a second, in a, in a moment by the Holy Spirit. And the decision is ours. We can carry offense or anger or, again, God forbid, hate, and continue living a life that is interrupted by these things that, that hold us back. Or live a life that is integrated into God's Word. Invigorated by the Holy Spirit. Interwoven into the life of a church for healing, for relationship, for family. Inspired in, and in love with Jesus Christ. You can make that call today. Stop leading an interrupted life and a life in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, even though it challenges me, it challenges us. Yet, by your spirit, by the power of your spirit, I, I pray you would open our eyes, even as, as, as we're praying, maybe with eyes closed, to, to see that this, this is life. This, this is the way, the truth, the life that you offer to us. So I, I do pray for relationships that, that are broken in our midst, that we would believe in your healing power, that uh, we would believe in the, in the words of your scripture to, to go, to go to others. We do as you call us to do. We follow you and we trust you with the outcome. Thank you, Lord, for, for your church, for all that you're doing within us, within 
the big C church all over the world, giving us this opportunity to, to love those who might slap us on our cheek. To live faithfully for you with one another in a church family. Give us that hope, give us that passion, give us that fire more and more within the, the midst of bellwether and as we go out uh, to the world, to our work on Monday morning, to Honduras on Thursday, wherever, to love those who would persecute us. We can only do so in the power and in the name of you, Jesus, our Lord. Amen.